Hey, and welcome to the Scott's Hope Podcast. We are currently in a series called Moving Forward, where Pastor Phil is preaching on the vision for our church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Scott's Hill. Those of you watching us online, thank you again for inviting us into your home. We want to invite you to where we meet on Sunday mornings. Love for you to come be a part of our corporate gathering here. Those of you may be watching on other parts of the country, thank you for tuning in. Let us know where you're watching from so we can encourage you and pray for you and um, continue to help you in your spiritual growth. And all of those who are here live, we're so grateful for, to have you here Sunday after Sunday. We're in this series that we've been calling Moving Forward, and we feel like it is an appropriate series because coming out of COVID, and it seems like there are some forces that wanted to bring us back into COVID in these days, we're trying to balance all these things out, but regardless of what comes, we're moving forward in what God has laid out for us. This has been a wonderful time for the church to kind of recalibrate and to look afresh on what God is wanting us to do in the life of a church. So what we've been doing in this series is looking at what our vision is. We refuse to change our vision, which is joining God in his work of transforming lives, and to look at those values that God wants us to develop in our lives, which are really just spiritual disciplines. And so far, we've been looking at a number of those things. And the reason we're looking at all of these coming up in these days is that God has brought a tremendous amount of growth in the life of our ministries. He's brought a lot of growth in the life of um, our opportunities that we have. And as a result of that, we're having to make some strategic and scheduled changes so that we can continue to accommodate this growth. And we're so happy and so thankful for what God is doing in our midst. So beginning next Sunday, we've got some strategic changes that are going to take place. Just want to kind of highlight these for you. Um, beginning next Sunday, our corporate gatherings are going to start at 9.15 and 11 o'clock. So for those of you who showed up today at 9.20, then um, you will be just only five minutes late. Those of you who showed up at 9, um, what time did we start today? 9.30. If you start up at 9.40, well, you you about have miss half the service. So this next Sunday, make sure that you set your clocks, help yourself to get here earlier. We're starting at 9.50. I'm in 9.50. 9.15. I'm going to get it right. I don't even know. 9.15 is when we're starting next week. So that means get here early. Get your kids settled in where they need to be. Start at 9.15. 11 o'clock, it won't be any changes. But the other thing we're going to do is all of our ministry deliveries for children's ministry, student ministries, all of those ministries are back on both hours at 9.15 and at 11 o'clock. So we want you to make sure that you understand that so both of those are running. We're adding what we're calling the Connecting Points class, which will be at 9.15 and at 11 o'clock. It'll be one large class setting. We'll have one group teacher that's going to lead everybody through that. We'll have refreshments. We'll have name tags. We'll have all these things where everybody can connect together. And if you don't have a small group or a connect group to go to, we want you to come to this Connection Point. This is where you're going to build fellowship with one another. You're going to find out how you can get involved in the life of the church and all the next steps. It will be an open Bible study that will take place every week. It's going to be ongoing. You're going to get biblical instruction through that, but you're going to get great fellowship as well. Now, for those of you who are already in small groups, we're not doing away with your small groups, okay? Some of you are meeting at 8 o'clock. You will continue to meet at 8 a.m. and then come to the 915 service. Or those who 
are at the 915, some of you are meeting at 915, you'll continue to do that on campus or at the 11 o'clock. But we will have numerous off-campus classes. In fact, we're getting ready to launch a, a, a number of those. And you will be able to find a place that's geographically located where maybe you live. You can be involved in an off-campus class, which will be sometime other than Sunday morning. So we're looking forward to these changes. And our goal is to attend one and serve one. Attend one or, or, or participate in one. Yesterday, we had what we call leader launch. We had over 200 people at this event. 200 people who were saying, we want to be a part of this serving and the life of the church. And it was a training time. It was an incredibly fun time. It was a fast-paced time. I spoke five times yesterday. And those of you who were in my How to Grow Spiritually class, it was uh, it was something that was very fast. And, and I've never spoken so quickly in my life. But this was a great time for our family to come together and to grow together and to get excited together about what God is doing in our midst. So beginning next Sunday, make sure you pay attention to these things. We're starting at 9.15 in this service. Now, so far as we've looked at our core values, we've looked at the importance of worship and service and how those couple together. We've looked at studying God's word and discipleship and how those couple together. Today, we want to look at another core value, and that core value is we live on mission. Today, I just want to talk about what does it mean to live on mission? Now, you just saw a video clip of one of our mission teams coming back from Ghana. They're one of our strategic partners, and we go to Ghana on a regular basis. But most of the time when people in a church think about mission, that's what they think about. They think about getting on an airplane, flying to a foreign country, to encounter people who speak a language that you don't know, a culture that you're not experienced with, um, um, history and heritage that you have never faced, and you get a translator, and this translator comes with you, and you tell these people you've never seen before and you've never seen again about Jesus and how much he loves them, and then you get on a plane and you come home and you tell everybody you went on a mission trip. And that's what most people think about missions, that missions is something that takes place overseas, that the mission field is not here, it's somewhere else. And the only way you can get to that mission field is to be able to have an airplane carry you that long distance. Most people think that is missions, but it really isn't. Missions is really about living on mission. Do you hear the difference between the two? If I, if I think that missions is in another place at another time with another group of people, then I'm missing the heart of what missions. Missions is living on mission. I got news for you. You don't have to get on an airplane to fly overseas to be involved in missions. Missions is all around you. The mission field is not some foreign country. Your mission field is your neighborhood. Your mission field is where you work. Your mission field is where you go to school. Your mission field is the park where your kids play. Your mission field is the job that you work at. Your mission field is the college that you attend. Your mission field is all around you. And so when we live on mission, 
That means that we're always involved in our mission field. So we can put it another way. Living on missions is missional living. What does that mean? That means that as a believer, you and I are to adopt the mindset of a missionary every single day of our life. Now, I want you to think of the mindset of a missionary. A missionary must know the language. A missionary must know the culture. A missionary must know um, the, the critical issues of the culture. A missionary must know how to correctly communicate the gospel. You know how to do all those things. Because you know the people that you live by. You know the language. You know the culture. You know the crises that they're going through. And when we adopt the philosophy of a missionary, then every single day, I live on mission. You see, it changes the whole complexity of what we even think about missions. Because every child of God is a missionary. And I love what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, the child of God that does not live as a missionary is an imposter because we're called to live on mission. Living on mission is a discipline just like studying God's word, just like prayer, just like service, just like worship. When we live on mission, this is a discipline that we have in our lives, and this is what the Lord Jesus is calling every single one of us to. So with that in mind, Let's look at what Jesus has to say about living on mission. Nobody has more to say about living on mission than the Lord Jesus himself. And he says it all through the Gospels, but I want us to settle in on the most popular passage that we read, that we hear over and over and over, and sometimes we just miss some simple truths in it. It's Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, beginning in verse 18. It's known as the Great Commission. But many of us may refer to it as a great confusion or maybe even a great coercion. But it's the Great Commission. And here's what Jesus says to us about missional living. So in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, here's how Jesus starts. And Jesus came and he said to them, these are the last words that he's going to give to his disciples before he ascends, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now listen to what he's saying. All authority is mine. I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm the savior of the world. And I will soon be the judge of the world. And all authority has been given to me. And the person who has received all the authority from the heavenly father now says this in an authoritative way to his disciples. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, the one who has all authority, says to those who belong to him, go and make disciples. Go, live on mission. Now, what we have to do is say, what does he mean when he says to go and live on mission? Here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to give you four points of what the Lord Jesus is saying to you and me about missional living. How do we go and live on mission? What are we to understand about what Jesus is saying to us? What is the challenge for our lives? So here's what I want to do. We have heard this verse so many times. I want you to listen to it from fresh ears this morning. 
and hear what Jesus is saying to us today. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, that your word is always relevant. It's living, it's active. And Father, while you spoke these to your disciples, you have spoken these for us today, 2,000 years later. And Father, may you stir our hearts today to hear something new and to see with new eyes and fresh eyes. And may your spirit take your people and convict their hearts to such a place that we are encouraged to listen to the one who has all authority. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Four things. Number one, living on missions is expected of every disciple of Jesus. Now, it's expected. The Lord Jesus, who has all authority, says to us, go. It is expected of every believer to live on mission. Notice how he starts it. He says, go. That is a command. It's in the imperative voice. It is not a suggestion. It's not an opinion. It's not a wishful hope. Jesus says, go. The one who has all authority is expecting his followers to go. Now, nothing is different from what Jesus is saying to us than what he has said to his early disciples. In fact, in every single gospel, Jesus gives this command. In Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then in Luke chapter 24, he said to them, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. It is expected from the Lord Jesus Christ that every single child of God would be involved in missional living, that we would go in our lives and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know you cannot spell God without spelling go. You can't spell gospel without spelling go. And you can't spell good news without spelling go. I guess you could say you can't spell Google either without spelling go, but we're not going there, okay? But the reality is this. We're called to go. The expectation of the heart of the Father is for us to go. And the disciples went. You look at the book of Acts as we study the book of Acts. From Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, we watched the gospel go and they gave obedience. And it went so far beyond that that it went into Asia and it went to Europe and then it made its way to the United States and it's made its way on every continent and with every age, the baton of the gospel has been passed from believer to believer to believer to go. And a lot of times we think, oh, those were professional missionaries, though. Those were people who were called to be missionaries. I'm not called to be a missionary. God hasn't called me to go overseas. God hasn't gifted me with the gift of preaching. Neither were most of these people. You know, most of the people who shared the gospel were just normal people who had been scattered about because of the persecution of the early church, and we don't even know their names. Yet they were faithful to go, constantly going. We really need to see going from the perspective of Peter. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you, he's speaking to believers, are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We like that. But then he closes it. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. These are the great things God has done for you as a believer. He's called you out of darkness into his glorious light. And he did this because of his excellencies. And the responsibility of every believer should be to go and to proclaim the greatness of our God, the excellencies of our God, the grace of our God, the forgiveness of our God to everyone who's around us. And we should be telling them, let me tell you what God did to pull me out of darkness. Let me tell you what God did to transform my life. Let me tell you what God did to so change me that my entire family has been changed. And my children are now walking with Jesus. And my grandchildren are hearing about Christ. How can we not say and share with others? The expectation that Jesus had for his disciples 2,000 years ago has not changed. It's still the same. He expects us to go. I remember when I first got saved, my cousin and I, Scott, got saved together. Scott, let me give a shout out to you in Louisiana. We both got saved at the same time. We were so excited about what God did. God, God saved us from, from a, a really bad life, a life of alcohol abuse, a life of drug abuse, a life of a lot of illegal activities. I mean, both of us had been shot the same evening doing illegal things. We were a mess. God radically changed our lives. And after we came to faith in Christ, you know what the first thing? We got to tell somebody. We, gotta, we just got to go tell somebody. We've never taken a class in discipleship. We've never taken a class in evangelism. We just wanted to go tell. So we went to this neighborhood. I'll never forget. Knock on the door. Boom. They open the door. Does Jesus live here? Not today. Boom. We just looked at each other. Okay. Went to the next door. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Heard all there is. Don't want to hear anything else. Boom. Shut the door. Okay. Let's go to the next one. We went to this one lady's house. We knocked on the door. She opens the window because she was scared to open the door and she's looking at us. Can I help you? I said, listen, we're here to tell you about Jesus. She said, what can you tell me? I said, I don't know. All we can say is that he changed us. Well, what were you like before? We told her. And she said, wow, what do I need to do? I said, I don't know. But you need to give your life to Jesus. That was it. If I had that excitement today about the gospel, and if we all had that excitement to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, what would happen to our neighbors? They might all shut the door and say, get out of here. But that's what we're called to do. And the expectation of the Lord Jesus has not changed for any of us. It's expected that we all go. But here's the second thing. Living on mission is expressed in many ways. This is the thing I love about this. Living on mission is expressed in a number of different ways. How do we live on mission? God calls us to live on mission, and he uses our own personalities. He uses our own gifts. He uses our own abilities, and we'll see later how he empowers that. But there are num numerous ways that we are called to live on mission because the phrase go can also mean as you go. It's a participle. As you're going, make disciples. As you're going about your life, 
proclaim me. It's just an issue of missional living. It's just a part of making it a part of my daily routine and what I do. So when we talk about as you go, there are four things going involves. Let me give those to you. First of all, going is to be intentional. It's always intentional. I have to make a willful choice today to be intentional about the gospel. I have to make a willful choice today to be intentional. God was extremely intentional. God so loved the world that he gave us his son. The Lord Jesus was extremely intentional. He came and he took on human flesh. He lived a perfect life. He intentionally went to the cross so you and I can have a crown. That's intentional. The Holy Spirit is intentional. He intentionally takes up residency within every child of God so that we might be equipped to go. And so I'm to be intentional. That means every day of my life, I need to realize that there are going to be opportunities for me to tell somebody about Jesus today. And so I'm going to make an intentional effort to look for the opportunities. Now, here's the crazy thing. Oftentimes we'd say, pray, Lord, please give me an opportunity today. Give me an opportunity. And God says, you live in your house. Yes, you have opportunities. They're all around you. And you will encounter so many people today that will be an opportunity to intentionally find a way to tell them about Jesus. So it's intentional. Going is relational. I love this. One of the greatest aspects we have with the gospel is relational leverage that we build with people. Relational capital is indispensable. Let me tell you what we used to do years ago. Matter of fact, somebody asked me not long ago, they said, Pastor, do we ever go on Monday nights and do church visitation? I said, yes, but not like we used to. He said, what do you mean? I said, we don't meet together anymore, learn a program, go to the door to door, knock on doors in this day and time, and ask them to invite us in so we can tell them about Christ. No, we still do that, but what it is is through relationships. It's relational. Jesus was relational. Where did you find Jesus? Most of the time, Jesus was not in the temple, in the synagogue. Where was he? He was in the villages. He was under a sycamore tree, inviting himself to the home of the shortest and the most crooked man in Jericho, Zacchaeus. He was at a well where he meets a Samaritan woman who had been married five times and was living with a man who was not her husband. He meets in a woman called an adultery. He meets on the side of a hill and teaches about the gospel and the good news of God. Jesus was always relational. He was with people. And one of the most important aspects of the gospel is to be relational. That means just be with people. Be where people are. Be relational with your neighbor. Build a relationship with someone that doesn't know Christ, and you build that relationship for the purpose of having that relational capital and that leverage so you can speak into them. I can knock on the door of somebody I've never seen before, and I can say, listen, I want to tell you about Jesus. And they might be polite, and then I go my way, and there's been no change. But when I invite my neighbor to my dining room table, and we cook out together, and we laugh together, and we start seeing resisting boats turning. My neighbor who lives from New Jersey, I've been spending a lot of time with him, talking with him, and just building that relationship. I never told him I was a pastor, not one time, not one time. And that didn't change in any way that he spoke to me and the, way, the kind of language that he used. 
And it was constant. But you know what? One day, I don't know how, he figured out I was a pastor. I never told him. Somebody in the neighborhood must have told him. All of a sudden, he, was, he came up to me one day. He said, Phil, um, I need to talk with you. I got some real serious issues spiritually that I need some answers for. Now, if I'd have gone to his door and knocked on the door from Scottsdale, hey, I'm the preacher at Scottsdale. Welcome. Let me tell you about Jesus. You're a sinner. You're going to hell, and you need some help. Um, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been very good. Huh? All that's true. I like that little person laughing. I don't know where that person is. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. But building that relational capital, open up the door. And as you go, you make friends. You invite them over. You go to a movie. You hunt together. You fish together. You shop together, whatever it is. And you talk. Because here's the thing. God's never in a hurry for you to plant seeds. And you watch him water them and bring life to them. It's relational. And that's the sweetest thing about it. Here's the third thing. Going is to be confrontational. And you're like, whoa, what do you mean by that? Whoa, we're going to get in a shouting match, a debate? No, no. When I say confrontational, I mean this. Use words that speak specifically about Jesus. Because what a lot of times we want to do is, I'll just live my life. I'm just going to live a, a really good moral life. I'm going to let them see Jesus in me. I'm never going to tell them a word about Jesus. I want them to figure out that my change in my life is Jesus. So you know what? I never tell them. I just want to live on the surface of this. I want to just let people see my life. Now, is it true that our lives should shine in such a way that men will glorify our Father who is in heaven? Yes, but you need to use words. I was reading about a young man who gave his life to, to Christ, and the very first thing he wanted to do is tell his boss. He went and told his boss, he says, listen, I need to let you know something. I want to let everybody know this. This weekend, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as Lord. The boss says, wonderful. Man, I've been praying for you for a long time. He said, I'm a believer, and I've just been praying for you. And the guy said, you're the reason I never accepted Christ. He said, what do you mean? He said, man, I've been living a life of holiness and purity and hoping you would see it. He said, that's right. You have lived a wonderful model of morality, but you never told me about Jesus. And all this time, I'm thinking, if I can just be like him, then I'm gonna be okay. And he said, you never told me that it was Jesus that made you that way. It's gotta be confrontational in the sense that we tell people People say, well, what is it about your life? Let me tell you about my life. It's nothing of me. It's what Jesus has done. Let, let, me, let me tell you about what Jesus has done. And there are all kinds of ways you do it confrontationally. I have a tattoo right here that says, to tell us die. Some of you are wondering what that means. It's a Greek word. It's the last words that Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. It means paid in full. Why do I have that? I go to the beach. If I'm around, somebody says to me and says, wow, what's that tat say? You got five minutes? I'll tell you the story. Give me five minutes, and I'll tell you the story about this tattoo, and I share the gospel. Now, I'm not saying you all go get that tattoo today and get it on your forehead <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. 
Some of you got kids and they might be saying, Pastor Phil has a tattoo. <laughs> My wife said, if I get another one, it is finished. So, uh, <laughs> so it is to be confrontational. Share Jesus. Here's the last one. Going is to be transformational. It's transformational. It's a wonderful thing about it. It not only transforms you, but it transforms the people who hear the message of the gospel. My, the thing that, that God used to transform me in my life the greatest was a mission trip. And I went on this mission trip, and when I began to see the lostness of people, God called me in a ministry, and that's what God used to call me in a ministry. All of that transformed me, but it transforms people as well. When people hear the message of the gospel, and we're going to talk about that next, then what happens is they're transformed. A couple of years ago when Florence came through, did a lot of damage to a lot of people's homes. I had a man come to my, house, to, to my office one day, and I got to share with him. I got to lay out the gospel of Christ, and he received Christ. Now, he came to my office. You know why he came to my office? Because he had a neighbor who was a believer, a neighbor who had a business that could help him restore his home. And that neighbor would, rather than taking care of his own home first, began to help this man, and he served him. And every single day, he told him about Jesus and told him about Jesus. And then the man became so interested in that, he came to me. And while I may have had the opportunity to lead him in a prayer, it was his neighbor and his obedience to telling him about Jesus that brought the transformation in his life. So you see, it's expected, but when we live on it, it's expressed in so many different ways. And here's the great thing. Every one of us has the capability of doing that. Every one of us. Here's the third thing about missions that Jesus, living on mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is, this is great news. Living on mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit. You remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which we said was the mission statement of the whole book of Acts. Jesus said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You and I have that power from the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And every single child of God has the power that is needed to go. Every one of us. And we need the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you, every single day when you are on mission, you're not doing it alone. You are doing it with the very power of God. The third person of the Trinity lives in you. That's incredible. And that you're not doing this alone. A lot of times we think that evangelism or missional living only happens when somebody responds positively to the gospel. No. Anytime you are faithful to share the good news of Jesus Christ, you are empowered in two ways. The Holy Spirit who lives in you will empower you and use your personality and your experiences to be able to share the gospel with other people. But here's the second power you have. It's the power of the gospel. Because the gospel alone is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. You hear that? There's a double power that we walk in every single day when we have the gospel. The Holy Spirit who prompts us, who, who moves us along. You need to speak to that person. I'm going to give obedience to you. I'm going to go speak to them. And then there's the power of the gospel. 
And here's the great news. When you're walking in that dual power, it doesn't matter your age, your experience, your ability to be faithful to share the gospel. A fifth-year-old girl in her class in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel has the same power to lead a fellow classmate to Jesus as a seminary professor with a PhD or C.S. Lewis in a book, Mere Christianity. Because the reality is this, with the Holy Spirit in us and the gospel with us, there is power to bring about transformation. You know what the gospel is like? I love this illustration. The gospel is like a lightning rod in a thunderstorm. Yeah, it's a lightning rod in a thunderstorm. And it's like when a lightning rod in a thunderstorm is going on, you're walking around with these lightning rods and people are all around you. And you go to a person and say, hey, 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 hold that one. Hey, hey, you, you, hold that one. I want you to hold this one. And that lightning is going to strike. We don't know where it's going to strike. But when it hits one of those lightning rods, when the Spirit of God brings conviction with the Word of God, which is the gospel, then there's power. And individuals are radically transformed, and it blows our mind. Have you ever seen a person where you thought, man, I'm not going to share the gospel with them. There's no hope for them. I mean, honestly, have you ever seen? Yeah. I mean, honestly, have you ever done that? Yeah. I see some of you have thought that about, but uh, <laughs> no. But we never give up because it's not in my ability to communicate. It's in the power of the gospel. And when I am sharing the good news of Jesus with other people, I have no idea where the lightning's going to come and who it's going to hit. But there will be change. It's powerful. Here's the last thing. Living on mission is to be executed daily. We're to do this every day. You know, it's in the present participle, which means keep on going. Never stop. Every day you go. And every day we are to execute this missional living. Now, what does it look like? Let me give you some clues. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you every day. Every day you wake up, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you please guide me today as I go? Decide to be intentional on missional living. You're going to work tomorrow. You're going to school tomorrow. You're going back to your regular routines tomorrow. What kind of ways can I be intentional and take the mindset of a missionary today? I want to seek out training for ways to live on mission. And we're going to have in the days ahead here numbers of op numerous opportunities for you to be trained in how to be better at that. Participate in missions and opportunities at Scotts Hill. I'm going to speak about that in a moment. And develop a strategy to have gospel conversation with other people. Take somebody to coffee, and you just de develop that relationship. Take somebody to lunch. Invite somebody to your home. Have a cookout. What if you did like a block party? Get involved with people in the way that Jesus was involved in people. I want to tell you the worst kind of friend in the world, the worst kind of friend in the world is a believer who has the answers for eternal life, and they have an individual who's a friend, but they never tell them about Jesus. That's the worst kind of friend in the world. You know their eternal destiny is separation from God. Why would you not love them enough to tell them about Jesus? These are practical ways.
that as we wake up every morning and we live on mission. Now, I want to tell you the strategy for mission work at Scotts Hill. Won't take me long, but you need to know what are we about at Scotts Hill? What is our strategy when it comes to mission? We have three parts of it. Number one is give, give. Here's what many of you may not know. Every time you give to this church, 10% of your gift goes to mission work, 10%. You know what our budget was in the last two years? Over $3 million. You know how much our budget was for missions? $300,000 for mission work. We have strategic partners that are both local. We have strategic partners that are statewide. We have strategic partners that are national. We have strategic partners that are global. And we have strategic partners. And all of these partnerships are supported by the mission money that we receive from every individual in the life of this church. And not only that, if you go on a mission trip overseas with us, you only have to pay $1,000 no matter where we go because we subsidize the rest and we pay for everything else for you to go on a mission trip. And we have local missions and we are going to do more. But every time you give a dollar, 10% of that goes towards mission work. That's how committed we are to it. But secondly, not only give, we want you to go. We want you to go on mission. We want you to go on mission in your neighborhood. We want you to go on mission in your parks. We want you to go on mission in, on your job. We want you to go with us when we work in the communities. We want you to go with us when we feed the homeless. We want you to go with us when we rebuild homes. We want you to go with us when we love on our community. And as we demonstrate to our community that we love them and we serve them with the message of the good news. We want you to go and not wait for somebody else to do it. But here's the last thing. We want you to grow in missions. That means we continue to develop the mindset of a missionary everywhere we go. And as we develop the mindset of a missionary, we begin to have a greater and greater love for the lost and those who need Jesus Christ. So that's our vision for missions at Scotts Hill. Let me tell you the beautiful thing about this. Our children's ministry is learning this. Give, go, grow. In Vacation Bible School this past year, they collected over $5,000 for missions. Vacation Bible School. And then what we're helping them to do is see all of this. And they're going. Our student ministry is actively serving. Our college ministry is serving. Many of our small groups are going together on mission opportunities. And we're growing together with the message of the good news of the gospel. So they're twofold this morning. How are you? How are you at missional living? Get out of your mind forever that it's getting on an airplane and flying somewhere else. Because in a moment when we pray, you're gonna leave this building. And when you do, you have entered your mission field. You're going home to your mission field and you're going home to what God has called you to do to advance the gospel where you are let's pray Father thank you thank you so much that you loved us enough that you came to us that the Lord Jesus loved us enough that he died on the cross for our sins he was buried and he rose on the third day and he is alive today that you loved us enough 
that you have given us your very spirit to live in us so that we can tell others the excellencies of your name because you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you, Father. Empower us with the gospel. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If this message blessed you and you now have a desire to follow Jesus, I encourage you to go to scottshill.org slash next steps so that we can follow up with you. Also, if you like the message, feel free to share it on social media with your friends and family. God bless.